The Dane and Derek Show is an uncensored, unfiltered podcast. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Dane and Derek Show. My name is Derek, and I'm one of your two co-hosts, as you probably could have guessed. Uh, I play a lot of D&D and tabletop games, and I make a lot of movies, and joining me, as the title would suggest, is my good friend, Dane. Hey, uh, I'm Dane. I- I've been thinking about this a lot lately, uh, when we've been recording, like, thinking about, like, I think in the next couple of months, I'm going to have to change my little intro here, you know? And I- I'm thinking about that. I'm, Ooh, yeah. finally. Yeah, it's, intro it's upgrade. time. It's time, but intro. for now, but for now, I am a writer, musician, podcaster, and lover of tabletop RPGs. Wow. We are definitely an artsy pair, aren't we not? Oh, yes. Very, very much. Very much. Yeah. So, Which, yeah. This was your idea, and I really liked it, so I want you to break it down. Yeah. So this week's episode is the supporting artist. It's something that I think a lot of people are and probably don't even realize it, but Basically, it's the idea that as an artist, you are working for another artist supporting their work. And yeah, I wanted to talk about this idea of being an artist that isn't that is supporting another artist doing, you know, whether it be like, you know, editing for someone or painting for someone or building a set for someone or editing like words for someone versus editing video for someone. Uh, you know, like that's one way to support an artist while also being an artist and then being able to take that stuff and doing it elsewhere. Like a good example is myself. I, at the place where I work, I work in a position where it's my job to help facilitate meetings between various teams of, of, of artists who support other creatives. And at times I'm also in those positions where I'm assisting creative people by coming up with ideas for new videos or, designing like new looks or coming up with new ways to teach people about how to make videos. Um, And a lot of that has translated into the kind of stuff I do outside of work uh, in the sense that I do a lot of like live performance like stuff now as well. And so it's like, yeah, I'm mixing, I'm helping mix microphones or setting up live cameras for people who are going to be performing. And that's a form of being creative while also supporting someone who is an artist. And I, Wanted to get your thoughts on it because I feel like you've also been in this position before. And it's one of those things where I think it's it's a real blessing to be able to be creative in a job. But also I know that being a support artist for someone at a certain point, there are like walls that you will find yourself within. And I think it's a matter of, you know, dissecting like when is it time to leave supporting that artist to go do your own thing? So it's it's kind of a mishmash of a handful of ideas but yeah that's that's where the idea came from yeah no totally so here's my one question before i before i I sort of dive in here is um what would you define the difference between someone who is for lack of a better term a supporting artist someone who is doing creative work of some kind to support others versus when are you part of a collaborative experience? Because for example, um, our mutual friend, Clara, who is an animator and her talks to me about 
what she does, immediately my brain is struck by the idea that, like, yes, Clara supports other uh, artists um, by her work, but it is at such a scale that it is a coll- such a collaborative project that even the project lead, um, you know, be that a showrunner, a director, what have you, I'm almost like, yeah, but really how much credit can you lay at just that one person's feet? Even if their solo vision is like 20% of the project, there's still the 80% that's everybody else. So are you talking about situations in which it's very clearly one person? And then there's a few people who do sort of supplemental supportive work, or you going so broad as to talk about like the studio system um yeah of like hollywood in which like which is why like like the snyder cut versus the joss whedon cut of the justice league movie there's a big difference between those two and like that's an instance in which you can really tell the difference between two by the by i disliked them both but um Mm. That's a, that's a topic for another time. Um, regardless. <laughs> yeah, we haven't done a Snyder Cut review. <clears throat> Do we have to? I mean, we are coming up on its one-year anniversary. Uh, uh, okay. But to answer your question, <laughs> uh, I think it's one of those situations where it's one person or maybe two people that are getting the credit. Or better yet, it's either one person or one organization getting the credit for the work of many people. So not the studio system. So, Um, so we're, so we're talking about the situation in which like, let's take um, the video game journey, for example, Mm -hmm. in which that game company gets the credit for making that game. However, and we could even break it down even further to which um, Austin Wintory, which is the composer for the music of that game gets the credit for the music, even though there was a whole kind of like symphony orchestra uh, who performed that music. So we're talking about the the symphony orchestra players in that regard, right? Yes. 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 The kind of people that like, like you might not like, like in in the movie credits, right? Like you might see London symphony orchestra in the credits. Right. Right. But you don't see who was first chair cello. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So you're talking talking about about those folks. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about, so we're not, cause like when we were talking about like just this idea, I was thinking like, huh? Yeah. You know, I've done a lot of supporting roles, uh, but you know, I've always had my name in the credits, you know, like, yeah, I, in some ways I would think like, I have been your producer and that is in some ways a supporting role. That one in particular in which most of my work was not particularly quote unquote creative in the traditional sense. Um, but it was my, uh, and I was supporting like your vision, but we're talking about something that's even further down from that, um, further removed in such that like, um, orchestra players are actually a really good example of this because often, um, and I don't know how well you know this, they'll be handed music like a couple days before a performance or a recording or whatnot, whatnot, and they'll just right. play it. They don't really, like, I don't want to say that they don't care, but in some level, you can't care at that point, right? Like, mm-hmm. like maybe there are a few pieces or a few concerts every year that you really dive into as, like, the symphony player. But, like, that's probably not, like, 
your whole the people who did that probably don't like have their heart and soul in the journey soundtrack you know they probably didn't even know what they were recording and like how like big it was for video game music at the time when they recorded it right like because you're those people are often so far removed like i'm thinking about a concert i went to three years ago i want to say um where the colorado symphony orchestra played the music for empire strikes back live while the movie ran which that was super fun that was so much fun super cool um uh halfway through there's an intermission and the conductor spoke and they said that they had gotten the music the day before that they'd rehearsed three times (laughs) which first of all i love it when people are that damn good at what they do right like where i'm like that's amazing that is amazing work on your guys's part um on the other hand i'm like there's no way that this can matter to many of the people in that orchestra right like Mm-hmm. maybe in that case a few more than usual because star wars is such a phenomenon of the age of the average age of the performers they were probably pretty young when the films came the original films came out and so like you know like it probably meant something a little bit more to them but on the whole they didn't have the time to put their heart and soul into this you know like exactly um so yeah i often think about these these parts of of and it usually only happens with like massive productions right like mm-hmm. there it requires a certain level of scale right um yes and yeah. and, and for and that's like always super interesting to me um because when there are moments in which like a piece of a work comes together on a scale of that size like you know, like Thor Ragnarok, for example, the number of hands that touched that fucking movie. Yeah. Um, because it's a Marvel movie right in the thick of things. It's, it's important to all of this stuff. And like, you know, that there's no, there's nobody who can, I think even Taika Waititi, not even him has like, the full control of that work and you can still see his thumbprint on it, but it's, you know, still a Marvel movie and all that. Um, And, and to think about um, the fact that the music in that sings and, you know, the visuals do and the lighting and, and, and right. I'm always floored when a movie or video game of that scale is good at all. Because I'm kind of a, like I'm kind of of the mind where I'm like, wow, that many people all had to kind of have their heads straight about one thing. Yeah, and that's really hard. It's so hard, um, and it's why I think the vast majority of like, uh, for lack of a better term, like big budget stuff, is kind of like, meh, you know, like it's often very solid, you know, like. I often think it's just as hard to, in some ways at this point, to make a bad, like a really bad video game or blockbuster movie as it is to make a really good one. Because so many people are interested in just kind of creating like an even, like just like solid. It just needs to be solid. Um, Right. And so like being a supporting artist to me often means that like you don't get much choice in the matter. 
Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it's why I put, wouldn't put our friend Clara in there. Clara gets to make choices that show up in the final work. I don't think that they're massive choices or whatnot. Like, you know, she doesn't determine the fate of characters or anything. Um, but like second oboe plays the notes on the page for the Zack Snyder movie. That is what they do. They do not get to change the notes. The only choice they made was to, you know, be a part of, of this profession or not, basically, right? Like, either they were part of this orchestra or not. The end. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and to be that kind of artist often requires, like, a craftsmanship, in my mind, or a dedication to the art itself. Um, yeah. You know, like, if you are not dedicated to a particular project, then you are, and you are not in a, in a role that is big enough to have much sway, then you just kind of have to love the act of doing it. You know, it doesn't matter if your music is going on, is going to get slapped on the eighth Transformers movie, or if it's going to be Oscar winning material, you just want to play the music. Yeah. You know, and sometimes I think about these artists in terms of like, I often think that they're off more often than not like performers of various kinds who find an artistry in the actual act of doing the art in that moment, you know, dancers, um, and and musicians like background dancers in particular, right? Like Mm -hmm. those sort of, those people come to mind. Um, and in those moments in which like the joy comes not from creating a project, but performing the thing, like, and then it just, it happens. Right. Yeah. Um, and I find that like really incredible. And I also find that it reminds me more of, um, athletes as well. Uh, Um, in the same way that it's about the moment, it's about the thing. Um, and, and, you know, like, they're crucial. They're crucial to making these massive projects happen. Um, like genuinely unsung heroes, Mm -hmm. but I don't like, it's, uh, it's funny. I feel like just like kind of waxing their praises and kind of like thinking about them in a sense, but I don't have a lot to say about them due to the fact that to me, it feels very much, it feels much more like workmanlike full of artistry but it is not you know like it, like i i could like say things like well i may i hope they get paid enough i bet they're not often paid enough you know or like mm-hmm. um same hand like I, I also think like so long as they want to be doing that as long as they don't want to have that voice that what they want to do is like you know i'm second cello and i just want to play second cello all day like if that's what i want to do that's then like and that's what you do. Great. Like, and they pay you to sit down and, you know, record the 12th resident evil soundtrack. Fine. Like if, if that works for you, that's awesome. Like, yeah. You know, in the same way that like studio musicians, like, you know, like um, the musicians who back up people like Taylor Swift, for example, who like Taylor Swift, I bet you has like a really reliable set, but of like people around her, 
mm-hmm. um, both for performance and for in the studio. But like Taylor Swift, the artist is not pro. I do not think plays the drums, bass, piano on all of her tracks. Um, right. I, I think she does the guitar often. She may even do some of the piano tracks. I don't. I don't really know her musicianship well enough. Right. But like there's somebody in her, in her studio who comes in and is like, I'm your bass player today, you know? And that person's an amazing bass player. Um, and what they do is they just record on a bunch of tracks and they're awesome. And that's super cool. Those people are awesome. It's the same thing. Um, and as long as they're happy doing that, I have like not much like thoughts on it beyond those people kick ass. They don't get enough recognition and they deserve to be well-respected and uh, well-compensated for their very hard and very important work in the creative fields. Um, yeah. So here's my question for you then. Mm-hmm. When a person is a supporting artist and has that workman, athlete-like mentality about, I show up, I do my thing, I do it really well, and people bring me back because I do it really well, what happens when they go home and perhaps they do have an artistic practice outside of their day job, so to speak, you know, how do you think an artist in that position where they're using their skills every day, right? Mm -hmm. Um, How do you think that they translate that to their, their own practice outside of what they do every day? I guess maybe, maybe that's the question I'm looking for here in all this um you know my first thought is i think we should have clara on the show and ask her this question because she would have a much more in-depth answer to this Mm -hmm. um but i can talk to you about a period of time uh very end of high school where probably the closest i i've really ever got to this situation in which i was in two bands simultaneously in one of the bands, I was a rhythm guitarist and sax player. I didn't write a single song. I didn't sing on a song. I didn't record with the band. I just played gigs with them. That's mm-hmm. all I did. Um, and right. in the other band, I wrote I wrote the songs. and the. I didn't write as much of the music, but I wrote lots of lyrics. I performed. I recorded. I edited. Like I did all this stuff with the other band. Um. And they kind of fed into each other um, mm. because the, the performance band really made me be really good um, or push my level up a little bit. Cause I was like, mm. I need to be a better player because it's the only thing I'm here for. Right. Um, and I need to kick ass at this. I really do. And so that really pushed me. And I, you know, like got involved with their songs. It was super cool. Um, right. You know, I really got to know their songs well and that like influenced my own writing. And I was a better player when I get back to the other band where I brought that musicianship. Like it was like kind of like a, they fed into each other nicely though. I did notice that on the days when I performed with the, with the performance band, um, I I was done after that. Do you know what I mean? Like mm, yeah. 
like I was like, that's all I, that's all I got today. Like it would take something out of me, you know, right. Creative energy wise. Um, and so I would imagine that you would need to have some real boundaries around that. Right. Like mm. you would, like that was something I had to do, which is very much like, you know, like I played a, a battle of the bands with the performance band once. Um, I think second round knocked out. Oh, um, I did not know that. Yeah. And at first I was about to kind of get like disappointed about it. And then I was like, why this isn't my band. Like I know I played as well as I could. It's not my fault. Like the only thing I can do is like practice harder and be a better performer for them. But their songs didn't land if they didn't sing well if like the melodies didn't really catch that's not on me and so i took a much more workmanlike approach to it in which like the next time i was like i practiced like twice as diligently for the next performance because i was like i want to make sure that it really wasn't me lowering the quality right like Mm. but the only thing that mattered to me was whether or not i did my part right you know Um, and I had to like keep that barrier up. Um, whereas if it had been my own band, I would have been like, wow, that stings. You know, they didn't like me, you know, like they didn't like our words and our songs. Right. Like it wasn't so like very much in the same idea of like, I don't fucking care if I'm right. I'm playing oboe for the Bumblebee movie. You know, like uh, the, right, I, I played right. my notes. I played my notes, right? right? You like, don't give and, up. yeah, like it, it doesn't matter that you did it, that you played, but well, it does matter. But it's like, um, but it's like, yeah, like like you played your notes. Whereas if someone didn't like your like oboe band, like jazz quartet, right? That would sting more, right? Right. And okay. I remember in the performance band, like when I was performing, I was having a great time playing with these guys. I was I was really enjoying myself. Mm -hmm. um and like i loved doing that but then it was over and like i was like great you know like that's awesome i don't tell me when the next practice is if you write a new song send it my way like i'll work it up for you you know no -hmm. problem if you want like if you want a sax solo let me know like um all of it you know and that's and that was awesome um but it was all about the performance and it was all about it was about being really technical, you know, and it was about caring about that. It was not about, it was not about my own creation. Um, right. Yeah. No, I, I definitely get that. I think when I was in the equipment office at my, at the place where I work, um, I often would like, would think about the fact that because I was just trying to basically be IT, but for cameras and sound equipment, there was still a lot of space left to be creative in my life. Yeah. And then when I moved into being in more of like a coordinator role with a little bit more creative say in terms of how to solve problems, I noticed I was starting to be a lot more exhausted when I was practicing my craft outside of work. And arguably, I was doing less things involving 
the technical nitty gritty. And I think that's where it, it's like, there's a little bit of a shift in how I'm, and how I was thinking about it, which then I was like, Oh, let me try and shift it back a little bit. And it's like, it's like, I feel like it's an interesting kind of like seesaw to balance on in a way of like the technical execution of, of, of your craft and the creative fulfillment of your craft. And I feel like you're always teetering on that, which like going back to something we, we talked about forever ago, which was the whole, like, if you have five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour a day to do your art and you do your art during that time, that's incredible. You know, like I think a lot about that in context of like the technical fulfillment and the creative fulfillment of that scale in a way. And yeah, I guess, I guess I get stuck where, cause you know, like everyone's going to have a rough day, right? Everyone's going to have a day where they don't feel like they played their best or they did the best, you know, like project, right? Like, yeah, I used to work for a YouTube channel doing video editing and I love video editing. It's one of those skills that I am proficient at to a level of which I know I'm not good enough to be like a movie pro, but I'm good enough at a certain level to, you know, make X amount of money doing it for a day job. And there were definitely some days walking away from that where, yeah, because of just how it was and the environment of it, I didn't feel like I was doing my best work. And I sometimes wonder if it's like with these kinds of environments that supporting artists are in, how do we make it, I guess like in the cases where it's more negative, right? Where, you know, you're like, you're not getting enough credit. You're not getting paid enough. You're overworked. I guess like, what are ways that, that like you can either improve that situation or in my opinion, like find a, way outside of find something different outside of that situation you know um because like nobody likes doing art they're not proud of but at a certain point if the context of that art is to be at a level that does not meet your your satisfaction then maybe that's a sign you've learned all you've learned right yeah and also like i you're I, kind of the answers to that. Like uh, I, I would think is like, if you care about supporting artists of this sort, um, if you're a creator, whoever uses any of these people, make sure that whatever outsource you're going through treats them well. Right. Like if you are a video game company or a, a, a big enough director and you're like, I need, musicians um you know what i'm gonna get this symphony make sure that symphony's worth working with you know like yeah there's that um but as an individual i i don't really know if i have like this standing to like recommend anything but i would imagine the most important thing would be like (sighs) reminding yourself that it's your job Mm, right yeah like it's your job. And so you can have bad days at your job. You can have a bad day 
at your work, like your per like you just didn't do your best work that day. Like you can have an off day. Hell, you can have that with your own art at home, personally. Mm-hmm. Like I think the important thing to remember is that nobody is all one thing right and it's like totally okay like i think it's totally okay to be a you know second chair cellist in a symphony orchestra and that's your job and then maybe your side energy is like i play pick up three basketball down at the rec and that is like the thing that like makes my heart light up you know like because at some point it becomes your work and that's it's okay for your work to be something you're passionate about and fulfilling and all of these things but it also won't ever not be your work right like Mm -hmm. that is to make it personal that is something that like has really influenced my decisions over the last few years which is a realization that i never want my living situation to hinge on my creative work Mm. like if my creative work ever became profitable great bonus um but for example i never want to eat dinner based off well i don't i don't want my whether or not i go hungry to be based on how many books i published or sold ever in my life um right do I want to see my book on a shelf? Kind of, yeah. But that's a different thing to want, you know? Right. And uh, yeah, no, that's a really good point. And so, and if you, but if you want to make money off of your art, like you're, you're living, I should say, off of your mm-hmm. art, then on some level, it's going to be work, y- you know? And yeah. on some level, that's just going to be part of it, you know? And yeah. like, like even if you're, let's, let's say you're Wes Anderson, where you get, you're kind of an auteur filmmaker who gets to basically make what they want. You can't fuck up. You are the ultimate freelancer, right? Like, right. Yeah. You, you know, like, and that kind of, there's a downside to that. Mm-hmm. There is in yeah. the same way that like, you know what, if you are, if you if you're that second cellist hell yeah you know like you're and you you make your dinner based off of being the cellist that's amazing mm-hmm. but the downside is you know you, you, whether or not you, you got your job is this thing that you probably also have a lot of love for and that kind of i don't want to say taints it but it does put it in a certain light right right it is different to get up and play cello every day because that makes you happy than it is to get up and play cello every day because you have to, because you need $700 for rent next week. You know, that's different. Right. That's different. And there's a fulfillment that I think totally can come with that and often does, right? Right. Um, with all of these things that I'm talking about. Um Right. You know, like I don't, I I don't want to be the person who's like my main job. I'm an author or whatever. Um, 
I don't want that. But at the same time, I'll, I don't get to necessarily ever be like, that is what I do. And that is all I do. And it's right. You see, you see what I'm saying? Like, and, and these things all come with, these come all come with trade-offs. Um, and I think the important thing, no matter what is finding the thing that you, you find fulfillment in and enjoyment in regardless of the trade-offs because there's no such thing as a thing that doesn't have a trade-off of some kind. Right. Um, and there's no such thing as a job that's perfect every day. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's, it's about finding that balance, I think. And these supporting artists are awesome. Yes. But I, I, I think, I think we're coming up on time at, we are. and I do want to say before we, we do this, we got to do an episode though on um, what the other sort of supporting artist, the, the person who's very crucial to a project but is not necessarily the creator of the original idea or the spearheading person. Yeah. Because that is also a very interesting person. Yes. It's a so, very, it's very, it's very, it's a very interesting kind of world we live in where we have all these jobs to support other jobs, to support other people, to support other visions. Right. Absolutely. And it's, it's very much a, a 20th and 21st century kind of concoction. Um, totally. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, and we also got to get Clara on to, to answer some of these yes. questions because she will have, she's much closer to being this imaginary second cellist that we've been using as our straw man. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, I'm sure she would have some amazing things to say about all of this. Yeah, and we've wanted to get her on the show for quite a bit of time now. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'll, uh, Clara, if you're listening to this, I will text you. Um, <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, everyone, thank you all for sitting through another episode of Dane and Derek. Uh, you can follow the show everywhere at Dane and Derek. And um, while you can see what movies I'm watching on my website, DerekIello.com, you can go back to my letterboxed, which is just um, Derek Aiello, because I've started writing reviews of movies there again. Um, they're not very in-depth. They're very one sentence, but... It's funny, and I'm enjoying it again. So, yeah. Nice. Um, you can find me at danewrites.com. Links to uh, my Substack, where you'll be able to read kind of a smattering of, of what I write, um, as well as my podcast, Isology, music I've written, recorded, and performed in the past, and uh, my Twitter. I don't know why I keep plugging that. I, I don't. You do really got to stop plugging. I your do. Twitter. I got to update. I got to update all these things. Yeah. But I'll get to it. I'll One of get these to days. It. Some fine room. day. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, um, thanks for hanging out, everyone. <laughs> Catch you later.